Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And we were watching basketball, like a lot of other people across the United States. March Madness was in full swing. We had the second weekend, a lot of great games, and possibly the strangest Final Four we've had since I've been paying close attention to college basketball, question mark. Mm. We'll get into all that. Some are saying. Some some are saying. People are saying. I'm I'm hearing it. Every time I walk outside, I hear it. I'm actually Mm. just being approached by strangers, and they're saying, this might be the weirdest Final Four ever. And I'm saying, yeah, could be. Maybe. So Maybe. We... We might answer that question. We might preview the final four matchups, and we might even try to pick a national champion. All that is coming up, so stick around. All right. Um, Is this the weirdest final four in the last decade? So let's just talk about it. First of all, what we have right now, five-seed Miami, five-seed San Diego State, four-seed UConn, and nine-seed Florida Atlantic. Obviously, if you're a person who understands how numbers work, those are not the top seeds in their region. Uh, mm. We didn't even have a one-seed make it to the Elite Eight this year. Both Houston and Alabama lost before they could even make it there. We had the opportunity to have one two-seed represented, but Texas was taken down by Miami and a huge comeback win. David, I mean, is is this the craziest Final Four we have ever had in terms of we got we got no perennial powers in this thing? Yeah, I to my knowledge, this is the craziest and honestly, like best. I don't know, best Final Four I think I've seen. Just just the crazy the Cinderellas, the underdogs, the the upsets, the um because, you know, it's it's always awesome. Like, oh, the 16-seed won, but they lose the next round. No, we've had, like, FAU, who's in the Final Four now. Like, these teams are, like, having continued success. Uh, and I saw today that FAU had never had a tournament, NCAA tournament win before this tournament. And they are in the uh, Final Four. So, yeah, honestly, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I'm not some just, like, history nerd of March Madness. But this might be, like, the craziest since UConn's run in 2014 as the 7-seed, right? Seven or eight, I think. Maybe um, since then, yeah. like this has been like the craziest, I think, tournament. You know, of course you forget stuff. There's recency bias. So I want to hear your thoughts. But I think, yeah, since I can remember, this has been the just most wild tournament that I've watched. So normally we have the one outlier, right? That's that's a regular thing that we've had. We all remember Loyola Chicago. We've had UCLA mm. last year. was an 11 seed. There's normally one outlier that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's it. That's a Cinderella that should not have made it that far. Uh, but I'm just going to read off the seeds of some of the Final Fours of the last decade. So last year, number one, number one, number two, number 11. 2019, number one, number three, number five, number two. 2018, number one, number three, number one, number 11. 2017, number one, number one, number three, number seven. 2016, number two, number one, number two, number 10. 2015, number one, number one, number one, number seven. Oh, wow. So you you have to go, I'm still going back. Um, The last time there was not a one seed in the final four was 2011, prior to this year. 
and that was UConn, a number three seed, Butler, a number eight, Kentucky, a number four, and VCU, a number 11. So that, up until this point, was probably the wildest one. But there was still, I mean, you had you had a three and a four. So you could say maybe that one's crazier because there was an 11 seed VCU team in there. But outside of that, in the last decade, there hasn't been anything close to what we're seeing right now. Yeah. When I thought a couple like little records, I think I saw this was the first time in the history of the tournament that a one seed had there wasn't a one seed in the Elite Eight, if I'm not mistaken. Before this year, and a one seed had always in the history of the tournament at least made the Elite Eight. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, with that, they lost. And then I saw today after this, you know, after the games finished, it is the first time in the history of the tournament that. Um, a three seater higher hasn't made the final four. So it's the first time that one, two th- or three hasn't made the final four. It's never been right. this lowest seeds without the one seed in two seed in or a three seed. So just crazy, dude. It really is. And as you mentioned, I think all but one of those actually, maybe since that one, you mentioned there was at least a one seed in the final four. And it's just crazy right. that not only did those get knocked out pretty early, but yeah, there's none in the lead eight or in the final four crazy stuff. And you know, this is kind of surprising, right? Obviously because it's never happened, but if you actually looked at, and I, I didn't follow college basketball super closely during the regular season. Uh, just quite frankly, it, it starts during the NFL season and then the NBA season kind of kicks in full swing and Mizzou hasn't been good the last few years. So I haven't really been a big college basketball guy, but the, there was no like perennial power number one team this year, really. There wasn't a just dominating number one. Every time a team got ranked number one this year, it seemed like that was the curse and they were going to lose in two or three days, right? Mm-hmm. So you could say the most dominant team was Bama all year, but Bama had question marks going in. Houston had the same thing. There was injury problems, you know? And then the normal programs, North Carolina was preseason number one, didn't even make the tournament. Duke was a five seed. Gonzaga had for them a down year. I mean, they relied on Drew Timmy and that's it. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot more parity now. David, do you think this is because of the COVID year and the NIL stuff? Do you think that's why we're having this final four lineup that we have right now? I think so. Also, I think just the transfer portal has never been just crazier. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, look at Mizzou, for example. All but one starter in Kobe Brown was it was their first year at Mizzou. Uh, Dennis Gates brought a couple guys over from Cleveland State. Uh, Nick Honor transferred over from Clemson. Uh, Kobe obviously had been there, and uh, you know they they aren't alone in that by any means. I saw I couldn't tell you how many pre-game um, graphics I saw this year, and it's like oh junior grad senior senior junior senior like teams are just so old and uh, right. I think. You know, obviously it used to be like 90% recruiting, 10% transfer portal. I think that's 50-50. And I mean, I would May even swing the other direction. That's what I'm saying. Like, is it more, do people, are coaches dipping into the transfer portal now more than they're recruiting? Because honestly, like if you can get a guy, oh, he was a four-star recruit out of college, but also now he has a a, a year under his belt and he did well at a low mid-major school, would you want him over a possible five-star prospect who's never played college ball. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think transfer porters becoming more important. And guys are not going to put up with not playing. 
Yeah. So we, we saw this, obviously the most famous example, there was a highly recruited guard from Kentucky who transferred out of Kentucky and went to Providence this year because he played for Kentucky his freshman year, but he didn't play a lot. Um, and this is going to continue to happen. We're going to have guys who are at these big power five, maybe even traditional blue bloods. They don't get a lot of playing time and they decide to leave, you know, because unless you're the team that's winning a national title, if you're a guy that's not contributing and you feel like you should be, why not leave at this point? You're going to get a full ride wherever you go. You're going to get the same scholarship. You can go from being small man on a big campus to the big man on a small campus and you can make a run. I mean, Florida Atlantic is a, is in the tournament and they are in the final four, you know, and schools like San Diego State is not a big school either. No. UConn is is a traditional power in basketball, but hasn't been recently, you know, and Miami has never really been that relevant in basketball. So there's precedent now that if you want to leave and go somewhere else, and I think it's even easier than football. We've been talking about the transfer portal in football all the time, and people love to complain about it in football because it's the worst thing ever and it ruins and guys just won't wait their turn. But it's a little different in football because there's 85 guys on a roster and, you know, we got – in football, size being older is just an advantage. It just yeah. is. And you have to stay three years if you want to go to the NFL. So And, like, you're more injury prone. So, like, why not be a backup? Because there's a chance the guy ahead of me is going to get hurt, you know? Right, right, exactly. So, of course, you're going to wait it out there and should be more likely to. And so people vilify these guys that do transfer out because that's not the culture. And basketball, there's a lot more freedom of movement. There's less injury risk, as you've said. And you can shine easier at a smaller school. In football, you if you're not playing at Bama, Clemson, you know, LSU, Mizzou. Georgia, Ohio State, stop. Uh, <laughs> USC, the Notre Dame, so you're not gonna get in the mix likely. Like TCU was yeah. an anomaly. But yeah, you're gonna you're gonna play a tournament game if you go to the Mountain West, you know, you can play a tournament yep. game if you go to the Sun Belt and, and you can get national exposure that way. Apparently, if you go to the MEC conference, you can win a tournament game if you are yeah. Uh, FDU, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you can do that. So you can transfer to these smaller schools and still get – you're not going to get the same level of NIL stuff as you would if you were at a Kentucky or a, a Kansas or a UCLA or mm -hmm. Duke. But you can, still, you can still do well, and then you can get the spotlight in the tournament. Um, and I think people are figuring that out, and that's why there's movement. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was kind of looking while you were talking about that one seed stuff earlier. Uh, it's only happened four times that there hasn't been a one seed in the Final Four. 1980, two seed Louisville, who won. Eight seed UCLA, who lost. Five seed Iowa. Look at that. Six wow. seed Purdue. 2006, three seed Florida, who won. Number two, UCLA, that lost in the championship. Four seed LSU. 11 seed George Mason, which I believe their head coach is the Miami head coach who just made it back yes, for the first time. I think so. Uh, and then what you mentioned, 2011, Connecticut, Butler, Kentucky, VCU. So this is only the fourth mm -hmm. time in the history that this has happened. I mean, everybody's bracket's toast this year. This is yeah. the worst, by far the worst bracket pools I've ever been in and that our high scores yeah. are in the 500s or below. You know, well, yeah, I mean, I, I won our bracket challenge and I had like 560. It was like a pity win. I was like, oh, I limped across right. the finish line with that one. Right. You know what I mean? My mother so. is 
going to win our family bracket. Well, she already has, but she's not done yet. She's the only person that has over a thousand points possible left. And she's more than double points possible. I guess my mother is ridiculous. Well, actually she doesn't anymore because she had Texas in the national championship game. So that, that hurt her a little bit. She still won by, by a pretty wide margin. Um, But yeah, this, I mean, it, it was a crazy time for upsets. And I, I think you and I have differing views, so I want to talk about this. You said this might be the best tournament you've seen. I am, you know, with the exception of a couple of games, it's been kind of tough for me to watch sometimes. So, David, why do you feel that this tournament has been such a great viewing experience for you? I just love that it's anybody's game. I feel like in some years, like, this, the one seed rolls, and it's like, oh, they're probably going to win, and they do. And I just love that it's like anybody's – can win, right? Oh, Texas is probably going to dominate. Oh, K-State, they're probably – and, like, these teams just aren't doing that. Bama, oh, San Diego State. The, and I, I just love that, like, we're truly getting, like, an upset of a March Madness where, you know, how it's like, oh, the first couple of days are some pretty good upsets, and then it fizzles out to the top dog. chalk the rest of the time. Yeah. It's still going, man. Like, you know, UConn beat Gonzaga by 30, and this Miami team – Great comeback and just won today, and FAU wins by three over a good K State team, and it, like I don't know, I just love that it's just it's not normal chalk where it's the one seeds are in. Like I I don't know who's winning. We can guess, but like we genuinely don't know who's going to come out with this because you know yesterday I was confident in a team and another team, and that one team's not here. You know they're going home, and the other team I don't know if I'm so sure on. So mm-hmm. you know I I I just love that it's the the, the field seems pretty level and I love that it's anybody's championship. Mm-hmm. Look, I think you're right in that I, I do enjoy that this has the opposite of what I don't like about college football. What I hate about college football is once you get to the playoffs, there's no it's it's pretty pretty set in stone. I mean and and you often have the most lopsided playoff I mean this past year we had the best playoff games we've ever had. But mm-hmm. and then we got to the national championship game and it was <laughs> over in two two drives. I mean, it was, it was kinda, terrible. It was kind of fun though. It was so bad. Yeah, I it was. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was just like watching somebody hit an unconscious person. Actually, so I don't know <laughs> if it was that fun that's <laughs> for me, true. but that's up to you. Um, yeah. but, and the look, the first day of the tournament is unimpeachable because. The first two days, really, and maybe even the whole first weekend, because you never have to wait. And if a game is boring, you can switch off. And if there's yeah. a scoring drought, you can switch off. What I'm noticing, and this may not be a new thing to college basketball. This may just be um, me who spends more time watching the NBA now than I ever have. These guys can't shoot. And, like, it's it's tough. And we go four to five-minute stretches. Like, there's regular four-minute scoring droughts for one team. And it, it's really rough, and they're just hoisting shots, and they're not going in. And I don't know if that's because guys are emphasizing the three now. People are chucking threes, I feel like, a lot more than normal. But this this San Diego State-Creighton game today, which was, by most accounts, a good game. It was close, right? It came down to the end. There's a controversial foul call. We can talk about that, too. But they were both shooting under 40% from the field. And San Diego State has a good defense, but it wasn't because they were playing all-world defense on each other. Mm-hmm. It was because they weren't hitting open shots. And yeah. so that part is getting tough for me. And I think that you can't, I, I, you know, if someone can't score for three minutes, I can't just switch on to the next game like I can the first weekend. Yeah. Uh, so that's tough. And also, look, 
every sport you complain about the refs. College basketball refs are are terrible. And it's like, it's so much worse than the NBA refs. Um, and so it's like watching basketball that they just, they just don't know how to call anything. You know, their fouls are so uneven. You feel like mm-hmm. guys are getting tackled for loose balls, but then they call the, the sho- little shove on the San Diego state floater at the end of the game. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so that part has been tough for me. I agree that I, I like the fact that I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but also, and and this this may just be the nature of the sport, but like when Drew Timmy got the fourth foul in that Gonzaga UConn game, I, there's no reason to watch. I mean, it was done. These these teams yeah. rely on <laughs> Gonzaga made a made it to the Elite Eight, and one of their players goes and sits on the bench, and they just they look like a JV team. It was yeah. it was ridiculous, you know. So that that kind of hurts a little bit, but I don't think it's like terrible. It's just. I'm noticing some of these games kind of feel like a slog in the middle of it, right? You almost, yeah. I almost feel like I should just wait until the last four minutes and then watch. Yeah. I, I do think I agree with you in that. I think there's a lot more three ball in the game. I think just with Curry and this is the reality of today's game. I feel like every league you find the offense is, you know, it's becoming offensive heavy, like NFL offensive heavy NBA has kind of always been that there's, I'm not saying there's been a lack of defense, but it's really been offensive. Like, showcase and i think a lot of leagues you're finding Mm -hmm. that um and but i also think yes you're probably watching the nba it's just obviously they're the best of the best so you just can hit anything i also think like the teams that make it and i think this happens every year i think we just forget the teams that make it this far have really good defense Mm -hmm. like because that's that's consistent your three ball is not always consistent you know matter how good you are but right. man, if you are fundamentally sound and you are um, conditioned, and yet you have the effort, all that stuff, your defense can be really good. So I think like a team like San Diego State, I think they have one of the best defenses in the country, and they don't score a lot of points, but they exhaust the crap out of teams. So I think maybe that's just what happens later in the rounds is like these really good defensive teams are consistent, and you know that the offense can be lackluster sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, it's not because they're always having terrible offense, but I would say that a lot of the time it's like, dude, like this guy just missed three wide open layups or, you know, here's an, <laughs> mm-hmm. and again, I'm not saying this because I'm better, right? I'm not, I'm not sitting on the couch being like, I could hit that shot because um, I couldn't. That's why I'm yeah. sitting on the couch. But, you know, I think maybe it is tough. Maybe it's just tough to go from the, the transition of watching an NBA to this because you're like, in the NBA, open three, I don't care who you are. That guy's going to make it, right? Yeah. And in yeah. college, it's like this is their best three-point shooter, and he's shooting through 32% from the field on 14 attempts a game. You're like, well, maybe he shouldn't be shooting 14 attempts. Yeah. You know? so, well, I mean, it's honestly kind of like football. We get college football a little before the NFL, and we're like, oh, bet football's back. I love college football. And then we, the NFL starts, and we do not realize how much faster the game is how much more physical the game is and just how much right. more intense the game is. So I think with mm-hmm. that, you like you watch the NBA and then you go back and you're like, this is a little slower. That dude's missing the shots. You know what I mean? So I think that also just has a natural effect and that's natural. That's just, yeah. Yeah. I think works, you're right but... because I feel about, I feel the same way about the, the college football season. I watched the first weekend of college football. I'm like, college football is great. Why do I not watch more college football? And then I'll watch the first weekend of NFL and be like, Oh, cause these guys are just better at it. That's why, mm-hmm. That's why I'm not watching, yeah, the worst league. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Um, all right. Let's talk about something great. Let's talk about what we enjoyed the most from the second weekend of basketball. David, what was the best game of the second weekend to you? And I probably already took the one you were going to answer because I filled out the sheet first. So I guess what's the second best game? Because I think we probably have the same number one. Um, real quick, second weekend, I'm going to assume is Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games? Yes. Okay. Yeah, your game was, was really good. I think I'm going to go Gonzaga-UCLA. Gonzaga-UCLA, mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, Three-seed Gonzaga beats two-seed UCLA 79-76. to 76. Um, That game was insane. In full transparency, I was watching it while I was driving. Um, UCLA, it, it was insane because UCLA hit a three with like, 10, like 9.8 seconds to tie it. And everybody's going crazy, freaking out. And it was one of those like, Gonzaga inbounds the ball, runs the, that old Villanova 2016 winning, play. Yeah. winning shot, hits the, with three seconds left. As like UCLA fans are still cheering, hits it, like that boom, boom. I'm like, what is happening? Like I haven't even had time to process the UCLA shot. And um, they call timeout, of course. And UCLA throws up a half-court sh- shot that actually almost goes in. It was, um, it was very close. Campbell actually almost made that. Really, really good game, though. Just, I mean, high scoring, too. 79-76, it was a fun game. Um, <clears throat> this one, there have been games that you talked about, but this one definitely wasn't anything short of that. Of It was just a high intensity. Both teams were hitting. And uh, Drew Timmy and then, what's his first name? Oh, Jamie Waquez Jr. Both All-Americans, mm-hmm. first teams, I believe, uh, proved it because that was a really fun game. And uh, I, I was kind of pulling for UCLA just because I know historically UCLA is the blue bud, but like we always see Gonzaga, you know what I mean? Nothing against Gonzaga at all, but um, they're the recent, they're the recent blue blood. Honestly, they just need yeah. to win one. If they win a title then they will be considered that. Yeah, I, I, I agree that that game was great. Um, that was a great way to finish off that night too. That was a, that was a capper Absolutely. Uh, for that night in the sweet 16. I, I, I was like remembering because um, Gonzaga and UCLA played in the final four. Um, was that last year or two years ago? I think it was 2021. If it's what I'm thinking, if, if it's the same was thing it the, I'm the year where Jalen Suggs hit like a half court shot to win. Right. And it was super and he hopped up on the tape, hopped up on overtime. the table. Yeah. yeah. So apparently these guys are just going to play bangers. So maybe we should just make it to where UCLA and Gonzaga have to play each other in the bracket every year because it I seems do, like I those okay games are, those games are always great. Uh, it's weird, and I was thinking about this when I was watching the game too because I was rooting for UCLA. And UCLA has somehow avoided being the hateable blue blood team, um, which is mm-hmm. strange because if you look back, like historically, they're one of the most dominant uh, or maybe even the dominant, if you would like to argue that, school in, in college basketball. And yet I don't ever have a passionate hatred for, for UCLA. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because they haven't really been dominant in my lifetime or because like, you know, everybody loved the Kevin Love year um, whenever he was there and that was great and stuff. So yeah. I don't know, but they, they just kind of skirted the hate for me. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. You almost like feel bad for him and you're, Oh, I'm going to, I got to pull for the little guy. It's like, uh, they've like won the yeah, most national not- championships. <laughs> yeah. They won like eight in a row. <laughs> it's not, it's so, not the little guy, but but yeah, no, it's weird that I get that. I think it is like, I mean, we can, I can look it up right now, but like, when's the last time 
I think you it was know, the 90s it, was the last time they were in a national championship game, even. Um, yeah. I so mean, they've like made they made Final are, Fours, but... They are kind of that blue blood, but have they been just struggling enough where it's like, I mean, we can pull for them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, they I made it from the... From- they made it from the play-in game the year that Suggs knocked them out. Uh, they because they were they were the first four, and they went all the way That's from right. there on a run. Um, so maybe I don't know. They just it, they're a blue blood that it seems like nobody hates. I, I I would say I hate Gonzaga, who is not even necessarily considered a traditional powerhouse, you know, because they don't play in a power five conference. I hate them uh, way more than I hate UCLA. But maybe they just mm-hmm. attract annoying players because Drew Timmy. Man, dude, he's fine. He finds a way. Uh, also, he travels all the time. Can we start calling that? Because um, he's going to come back for his 11th year of college basketball, uh, Perry Ellis fashion, probably really? next year. I don't know. Oh, he he's said a, he he said it's the end, um, but he, I, who knows? You know, I don't know. I don't think he's going to play in the NBA. So if I were him, why not? Yeah. You know. So anyway, the the best game though, and I think David agrees with this unquestionably, was the Kansas State Michigan State. Uh, stunner mm-hmm. overtime Sweet 16 game that featured quite possibly the greatest single game performance in NCAA tournament history. Yeah. So I'll just, we can just we can just talk about it now. Um, Marquise Newell, who is five foot seven on a good day, he said, um, is the point guard for K State. Is originally from Harlem. Grew up in New York. This game was played in New York City. Um, he had 20 points, 19 assists, and five steals against Michigan State. And he was doing everything. He was controlling the offense the whole game. Everything ran through ran through him uh, for K-State. He wasn't their leading scorer. That was Keontae Johnson who had 22 points. But still, I mean, yeah. he, he was nuts. He had one of the craziest shots I've ever seen go in with um, the shot clock was running down and there was a loose ball and he caught it sprinting at the three point line and like had a bad ankle, by the way, we should mention in this game was like playing on a bad ankle and just like kind of stumbled on his ankle through the ball, just at the basket bank shot went in. And then I think maybe one of the just best executed alley-oops I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like the, which uh, I saw in the interview afterwards, he said that it was not a play, that it was a legitimate argument he was having with the coach. That wasn't a Cap. plan. Um, I don't know. And he said he saw him quite out of the corner of his eye. I mean, yeah, probably Cap, but the man had 19 assists and he set the tournament record. So I'm kind of prone to believe him, right? And uh-huh. even in the next game that they played, you know, he, he was, again, as ju- almost as good, if not better. I mean, scoring-wise, he was better, but assist-wise he wasn't, and they lost, and they lost because everybody else on the team let him down. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was carrying K-State. He was the only reason they were in their Elite Eight game against Florida Atlantic, and yeah, I just can't think of a better... That, that was just legitimately an amazing start-to-finish basketball game. Yeah. I think, well, in the second game, he had 30 points, 12 assists, 5 steals. Um, I think the best back-to-back performance in a tourney game probably ever i mean but he set records with both he was he set the assist record that first game and then this game he was the first player ever in the tournament to score 30 plus points and have 10 plus assists which is crazy to me but um you would think that would happen before but first player to do it 30 plus points 10 plus assists in a tournament game two records so i mean i'm I'm thinking like that has to be some of the best back-to-back 
tournament tournament performances, you know, that we've seen. And he's uh, five foot just, seven. He's five yes. foot seven. Short Kings rejoice. Yeah, right. When I mean, we're like almost the same height. That'd be like me out there, except you know, good at basketball. So not like me, but kind of in a way. I'm wearing That's crazy to right imagine. Now, so. Isn't it isn't it insane? Like you see those guys and you just don't think. Like, yeah, dude, I do this all. The and time. then you're like, do this. you're like, I'm literally as tall as him. Like that's insane. I do this when I, especially either I'm watching when I'm watching sports and I'm like, that guy is so short. And then I look it up and he's like an inch taller than me. I'm like, okay, great. Or when I'm watching a movie, I'll be like, that's the shortest person that's ever existed. And I'll look the actor up and they'll be the same height as me, and it'll just make me so sad. <laughs> so this happened, unless, but it was it was cool. Unless you're like in professional sports, because you're like, ah, Curry's not that tall. Wait, he's six four. You know, like, oh my god. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, that happens then, all the time in the NBA. NFL is the same way. It's like, oh, McCole Harmon's so tiny, and then he's like, no, that dude's actually kind of stacked. He's, but he's five ten, and he's way way stronger than yeah. So yeah, I I, I don't like K State. This guy got me to root for K State, and I I I mean, I've hated K State for most of the time that I've been alive. Because old Big Twelve rivalry with Mizzou, so mm-hmm. there's that. David, uh, I already talked about my best individual performance of the tournament. What do you have? Uh, probably recency bias. I'm sure there's been a lot of really, really good performances, um, but I'm going to go with a game from today. I'm going to go with Jordan Miller from Miami. Uh, they just beat Texas 88 to 81 tonight. Jordan Miller, 27 points. And, you know, three rebounds, two assists. But that's not the crazy part. The crazy part, he was 7 for 7 from the field and 13 for 13 from the free throw line. So he literally shot Didn't a perfect miss. game. Every shot that he took went in. Um, that's insane, uh, especially at this part in the tournament. Dude, like they have back-to-back games. They got a week of rest. And then they just played the Sweet 16 game two days ago. Playing again. like. Like if you're if you aren't conditioned, you aren't making it far in this tournament. And the dude has to be like tired. You know what I mean? And he's just mm-hmm. every shot he put in, he made. And it's not like he was like, oh, you know, three for three from the field and five for five. Like took seven shots and maybe more impressively, he made all thirteen free throws, which is really tough because I know four of those were in the last minute of the game that kind of sealed it for them. So pressure was yeah. on. And yeah. uh yeah, shout out shout out to Jordan Miller because he played very, very well. And uh, look at that, another senior, what we were just talking about earlier, about age of the age of the guys. But, yeah, crazy. So so first, am I allowed to take my victory lap now for being the guy who's like Miami? I believe in Miami. Is that – can yeah. I do that? Yeah, you, you said I think Miami beats Houston. You were pretty confident in that. So I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by that. Yeah, I think I, – I don't no, – I mean, pure luck, honestly, obviously, by me there, um, just, just going out on a limb. But I did – I did have all the other uh, Final Four teams wrong, um, but I did have one right, and that was Miami. And you also had one right, and that was UConn. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Well, I'll just say it was funny. We so if Gonzaga would have won, you would have won our bracket matchup, and if UConn would have won, I want I would have won it. Nothing else yeah. mattered because we all got everything else wrong. That's just how. Just it was yeah, kind of funny. It was so sad. So sad for us. Um, so we couldn't even predict the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight. So we're terrible when you give us the whole tournament, but his, yeah, to not miss a single free throw to shoot more than 10 free throws and not miss a single one is crazy. I mean, that's, that's stuff that the best shooters on the planet do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just type horns down into the document. That's a personal foul. That's 15 yard penalty, David. 
Um, I'll take it. That's that's disrespectful to Texas because they're so soft. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I was really happy that Texas lost. I think that I think it's kind of the villains are out. You know, I, that's the one thing that I think this Final Four might be missing is there's not a team I'm going to be rooting against really hard, right? Mm. Because there's no, like if Bama made it or if Houston made it, it was going to be those teams. And if um, Texas made it, it might even be Texas just because they're Texas. But there's no Duke to hate. There's no Kansas to hate. You know, there's just not Kentucky, right? They're they're just not there. So I think that I'd be curious to see what the ratings are like for these final four games because there's not a traditional powerhouse there and there's not like a really hateable team there. You know, because I think mm-hmm. if Bama makes it, then people will hate watch because even people who do don't know a lot about college basketball have heard a lot of crap about Bama's basketball program this year, and yeah, definitely probably don't want them to be dominant in two college sports. Uh, also, just before we move on from best performances and do the and do the the pick them, um, if you're not watching the women's tournament, which some people aren't, it is having its highest ratings that I think it's ever had. Uh, mm. Caitlin Clark is currently playing as we speak. So this may be just, mm. just bad for me to say, because, um, if they lose, then I'll just be telling people to watch Caitlin Clark play in a tournament that she's just been knocked out of. But yeah. Caitlin Clark is nuts. Uh, if you haven't watched her play basketball all year, she literally gets bored and just does stuff to do it. She is the entire team, um, for Iowa. It's, it's not even close. I mean, she is all that they have. She is averaging 27 points a game this year, uh, shooting 38% from three, 47% from the field, and she'll shoot any shot on the floor. I mean, regularly just pulls up from the logo. And when she's hitting, which right now they have a whopping zero points in their game. It just started, though. Um, So, you know, not looking great for what I just said. But she, she she hasn't gone for less than 20 in this tournament. Um, she's had multiple games where she's hit more than five threes and gone over 30 points this year. Uh, so if you want, if you want somebody to tune into on the women's side, she, Caitlin Clark is just, is just out of this world. Um, and uh, if you just want to watch good basketball highlights, just look up Caitlin Clark career highlights. Cause she's been doing this the whole time. She's been in Iowa. Um, mm, yeah. Our, yeah. Our friend Zach, who is a big Iowa fan was way more of a women's basketball fan this year than a men's basketball because, uh, quite frankly, the men's basketball team makes people in Iowa sad because they do the same yeah. thing every year. But Caitlin Clark was just so dominant and amazing to watch. Do you think? Let, let's. I don't want to, you know, jinx or, uh, you know, offend any Louisville fans. If Iowa wins this, if you think they have a chance against the South Carolina team, I think if Caitlin Clark is hitting shots, they have a chance against anybody. Um, right, because that's been the story all year. It's like this has been the most dominant women's team we've had. They're thirty three and zero, and all this, you know, all this stuff. Which, and it's like, I don't know. I tend to lean towards like some of those old UConn teams, dude. Um, With uh, Sue Bird and uh, I mean, you don't even have to go back that far. You can go back to Brianna Stewart and Maya Moore. Like, well, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's 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 pretty it's pretty tough um, to to match up against, against those teams. So I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll look at that. I always come back. Um, so we're quick, we're quick gonna nugget. A, we're going to have a game. Here. You know, Caitlin Clark already has seven points in the first quarter in the oh, first geez. six minutes of the first quarter. So, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, I found this out, you know, the Tennessee volunteers, women's basketball team 
They have never, ever missed a March Madness tournament. That yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. Like, I know they've had a dominant stretch, but I'm like, they have never missed a March Madness tournament. That is insane to me. Oh, Pat Summit. Yeah. I mean, there. That's that's also you know the the women's game. You could say is maybe not near as as even as the men's in that there is a little bit more upsets this year than there have been previously. But by and large, the women's game is chalk. Like yeah, and I mean like sometimes these one seeds are in the in the elite eight and they're doubling the two seed, like doubling them in points. Well, South so, Carolina's kind of done that. Yeah. Their yeah, closest game absolutely. was this last weekend, and they won by sixteen. You know, so. but this matchup that we're that we have right now, Louisville, Iowa, is really good. Also, um, uh, Haley Van Lith, who is a guard for Louisville, um, is great as well. She's really fun to watch too. So you, you're not going to hear about this until after this game is already over. I'm sorry, but this is a really good, really good women's game. But if you have the Come chance on. to watch. Caitlin Clark play basketball. You should do it. It's Send it's it. amazing. Um, all right, David. Let's let's try to make some decisions. We haven't done a we haven't done a true pick 'em really since football season ended. Um, you know, so long ago. It's only been like I a know. month and a half, but it feels like it's been a year. It's been um, years. So here here we go. We got <laughs> David is taking his be real right now. We got San Diego State. <laughs> Florida Atlantic um, against against each other, and then Miami versus UConn. Let's start with San Diego State, Florida Atlantic. I look, I don't know because it's the tournament, and I have no idea who's going to be good on a given on a given day. Uh, but I, I have to think that San Diego State is good enough defensively to deal with the one strength that Florida Atlantic has, which is throw it to our seven footer in the middle and hope that the other team can't guard that. I, I feel like San Diego State can guard that. Uh, so I'm going to go with them in this game. Uh, I think so too because they're allowing 57 points a game, which is really impressive. That's not a lot. And, um, yeah. you know, they have – you know, you, you just mentioned the seven-footer. They have Nathan Minsaw. He's a 6'10 senior, 230 pounds from Accra, Ghana, and he's dominating. I mean, I think he is a guy that could – is he the guy that doesn't could, practice? Right? Because don't, don't they have a guy who's like got in, like has so many injury problems that he doesn't practice? He just plays in the games because they don't want to wear him out. Really? That'd be kind of funny I, if that was him. I, I don't know though. I think it might be. I mean, he's been, but he's been great. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. He's maybe a, I was. I remember hearing that. Um, with my quick math, he's a couple rebounds under forty rebounds in this tournament. Um, he doesn't. Go crazy on the points, um, but but he's solid defensively. He's, he's solid, stout. yeah, yep. So I Brutal. think he is a guy that could defend well. And just seeing, I mean, Creighton's got a really good offense. I've been watching them a little bit just because um, my Sophie's family is a huge Creighton fan, um, and they they got a good good offense. And Cockburner is him seven footer himself, who's really dominant. And uh, yeah, the San Diego State defense is just really good. And what I mentioned earlier, like. They got a good defense. No matter how good the offense is, the defense is the, the, the thing that's consistent and that sticks around. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think San Diego State gets the dub. Big old dub. Mm-hmm. Big old W. Uh yeah. I, I 
I don't know. I think this is the end of Florida Atlantic. I, and it's weird. They, they beat K state. They beat him, you know, I mean, it wasn't easy for them, but they, they controlled that game pretty well for the most part. K state was making runs, but it seemed like, seemed like they were controlling that game. But I just don't, I just don't think that'll last against a team that well, if, if yeah. San Diego state can stay out of foul trouble, then I, cause I think that's the thing that Florida Atlantic that really won them the game is they had K state in foul trouble mm-hmm. early and often. Um, so when it's crazy, we're like discounting them. It's like they beat Memphis, they beat Tennessee, they beat K state. Like they've had to beat some really good teams, but yeah, I just feels like it has to end eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm still not forgiving them for that freaking windmill dunk attempt at the end of the game against FDU. So there's yeah, that. That's messed up. Uh, Miami UConn. I think this one's easy for me. Stick with it. You got to stick with um, it. Are you, seriously? Because I don't want to pick them. I want to pick UConn. I know. Because I know. UConn is the only team in this tournament that's like, yeah, we're just going to blow everybody out. Like they struggled yeah. in the first half of their first round game. And since then, they just they just have been murdering teams. I mean, they yeah, it's it's not even it's close. been impressive. I, yeah, it's whew. yeah, their point spread has been has been ridiculous. Let me, I'm gonna vamp here, vamping while I'm I'm looking up to see what their last few games were. I mean, obviously they won this past game, double digits, easy. So they eighty eighty two fifty four over Gonzaga, right, and then eighty eight sixty five over points. Arkansas, thoroughly dominating Arkansas. Points. 70-55 over St. Mary's. So 15. that's 15, 15 point spread. And then they also they also won by 24 against Iona. They were down to Iona at half, um, but then ended up destroying them. They're the only dominant team in this tournament. They're yeah. the only team that's thoroughly dominating their opponent. I would love to say Miami. I, they're a four seed, which is crazy. I mean, yeah, the UConn's playing like a one seed. I mean, they're just they're just wrecking people, and I'm just gonna go with them. I think Miami got lucky. Texas was kind of just Texas was playing. Felt like they were playing it safe with the lead that they had. Um, and they fell they were just apart, trying to, dude. Trying to waste time, and they fell apart. And I don't think UConn will do that based off of what we've seen. So, yeah, that UConn looks really good, and they also have a freak at forward, um, Adam Sinago, and six nine, two hundred forty five pound junior from Mali. So, dudes, just I don't know where they find these stud athletes, but. Um, obviously the teams that are winning are finding them. So yeah. Yeah. I, so we I, both, I, we I, both chalked the same teams in, which I mean, there's do only, we chalk, do we chalk the title game too? Yeah. I think UConn wins it, dude. I did too. They're just so I know I just talked right about now. defense the whole time for San Diego state, but phew, I've not seen like a weakness with this UConn team. Dude, we're going to look watched so them, dumb. We're going to look when so FAU dumb. Wins. <laughs> FAU dominates San Diego State, and then UConn just gets run out of the gym by Miami, and we're going to look like the dumbest people on the planet when FAU wins mm-hmm. the national title. That would actually I be think, the craziest. I think if FAU wins the national title, it would be the craziest, craziest Tournament of national all time. title win ever. Well, it would be I, the I, lowest seed to ever win it because UConn's the lowest, right? It would be seven. the lowest seed, and also it's a seed that this school has never been relevant. This is their second tournament appearance yeah. ever. And they made the tournament before. in like 2002, and they made it in 20 in 2023. And yeah, they had never won a game before, and now they're in the final four. Jeez. You know how many final four appearances Mizzou has, David? Can you can you guess that bit of trivia? Stop. Guess none. Did you hear me? Yep. yep. 
Yeah, no, I was waiting. Okay. I was doing the suspense thing. None. Yeah. Okay. So a Florida Atlantic in in two tournament appearances has had more uh, than Final Four appearances than Mizzou has had in twenty eight tournament appearances. So, so you're, yeah. Also, here's why I like this tournament. I feel like this is the what the future could look like more, which means our teams have a higher chance of making that. Run. Do they? You know, it's it's not they, just a top. Or yeah. is Mizzou the San Diego Chargers or Los Angeles Chargers of college sports? And you will always believe in them preseason, and you will always be let down. Hey, all I'm going to say, and a first-year head <laughs> coach, doubled, uh, doubled the win total, 25 games, finished third in the SEC. What happens first, Chargers Super Bowl win or Mizzou Final Four appearance? Mizzou Final Four appearance. Chargers I thought you were going to say ch- championship. And now we're going to say Chargers because that's it's hard to win a college championship than it is a professional. Chargers. No, what what happens first? Chargers AFC championship appearance or Mizzou college football playoff appearance, even with the expanded field? Chargers. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? I'm not confident in the football team. Uh, why would you be? Basketball's hey, primitive, no though, dude. Dennis Gates won with a bunch of D3 transfers and – Want twenty five? All right. The first all tournament. right. Now they're all D three transfers. He docked them down two divisions in college basketball. That's amazing. Um, hey, yeah, they're just good know. players. Hey, remember that Mizzou could have got Bill Self. Stop. Why you got to bring that up? To hire him. Okay, I was talking to somebody about this. Who else? They interviewed three people. It wasn't John Calipari, was it? Was the other one? Because um, it was another like pretty good coach. I think that would be our luck. Um, no, and then they went with Quinn Snyder, who ended up getting fired for illegal stuff, I think, and then just got an NBA job after that, which is kind of nuts. But yeah, I know they almost, they uh, interviewed Bill Self, and I think it was John Capri. I was right. Yeah. They zeroed in on four. Mizzou could have had Bill Self. Or John Capri. In 1999, they interviewed on, they, they narrowed four candidates, and it was Bill Self, John Calipari, Kim Anderson, and Quinn Snyder. And they picked Snyder over two future Hall of Famers. Wow, they should have picked Kim Anderson. They could have just got that fiasco out of the way. Yeah. That was that was tough. I mean, he did win a lot of games, just didn't win any in the tournament. Well, yeah, but that's that's where some would say it matters. Well, yeah, that's true. And my dad always said that. I was like, man, Norm Stewart knew how to win regular season, but he just never figured it out in the tournament. That's yeah, tough. that's tough. Oh, wow. Look at us. We're saying the same thing. All right, David, we should wrap this podcast up because we're now just talking about Mizzou basketball, and that's not anything anybody wants to focus on. And I'm pulling a Drake now and getting in my feelings. So, yeah, we're going to have to yeah. Cops wrap of it. the Rose. Hey. hey. That's not how right. the beat of Marvin's room goes. <laughs> but it would be kind of hype. I want to remix right now. I'll call my guy up. Um, awesome. This has been a Final Four preview what do you want to watch? Um, it's fun. We love basketball. We love sports. That's true. And uh, we've been talking about it. And really, you've been listening to it. Um, you've, you've had to have been listening to it if you're this far because you're listening to it right now. So, right. Bingo. Thank you all for watching. Us. Listening, Bye. not watching. Bye. Whatever. You know.